Welcome to the Fire Church Podcast. Today we pray Holy Spirit will speak through this message and into your life right where you are. Okay, let's pray. (coughs) Father, thank you for tonight. God, I pray that everyone here, God, will know the depth, the height, the breadth of your love, God, that your love will be imprinted into our hearts, God. And I pray that we, we lay down and cast away our past, how we were raised, whether good or bad, God, and instead start to embrace the love that you had for us. Father, I just commit this time to you, Lord. This is never um, just another session, just another sermon, Lord. I pray that people are changed. So God, we just commit this time to you. Have your way and and do your thing, Holy Spirit. Everyone say? Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Lee. Um, Currently, I am helping Pastor Alex with the interns the new believers, um, and outreach. Um, <clears throat> I love how the, how the worship flowed tonight. So if you're new to, to Christianity, to church, some of you are thinking, it's like, gee, these guys carry on for a bit, isn't it? But you know, I'm saying that because I, I know what it's like when you don't understand because we think that, you know, in our logical mind, we think that the only way to pray and to worship God is to always give God something. It's like you got to say something, you got to do something to give to God. And what I saw tonight was actually it was God. I felt like God was ministering to us. And I don't know who else felt this, but it was, it was like a rejuvenation where he knows that, you know, after the celebration last week, We've, you know, a lot of us are tired, bodies are sick, um, people are recovering. And so we, you know, if it is, if Christianity really is a relationship, it's, there's a God that also responds. Like it's not just us doing something for God. Sometimes he also does something. And when he does something, that's, that's the, when the cool stuff really happens. Yeah. And so I thought that flows on um, nicely to the, to the sermon today. <clears throat> There's a technical malfunction. It's all good. I, I don't have the slides, but it works. Probably flow is going to flow a lot better. Uh, normally I say, you know what, since we're tired, I'm not going to go on for long. But this is dangerous because I'm feeling very, very relaxed, and that's usually not a good sign. (laughs) All right. Who wants more of God in their life? Yeah. Who wants to have more of God's help in their life? Yeah. Who wants to be promoted by God? Well, it's only a few there. In James 4.6, it says, 
but he gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God gives more grace. He says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Something interesting. The word resist there is, is the Greek word our resident Greek speaker has left, but it's all right. Anti-tasomai. Anti, you know the word anti. It's against, right? Tasomai is formation. So the word resist there. It is God forming himself in battle formation to resist you. Are you following me? So the word God resist the proud is God arraying himself in battle formation to resist you. That's a pretty nasty word, don't you think? It's a simple word, resist, but it's like, hey, when you unpack it, you think, wow, that's, uh, that's a problem. When God arranges his army in battle formation to fight you, that's a bad day. Don't you think? So the opposite is God gives grace to the humble, but he battles and wars against the proud. That's, that's nasty. My... Um, I had a journey with, with pride when, um, when I got saved. Um, that's actually one of the, the demons that God ripped out of me. Um, he began to, to, to work in my heart and start teaching me about humility. And then I realized that I, um, I have a tendency to be prideful, to think prideful thoughts, to just elevate myself. And once God started uh, working on me, I... I, I wanted to repent. I wanted to stop it, but I was finding uh, difficulties in stopping those thoughts. And that's when I thought, gee, what's, what's going on here? And then um, during those days uh, in, when I first got saved, within a few months, I, saw, I was over a friend's house, and we were just mucking around. Um, and then he started repenting for doubt, and a strange thing happened. He just started growling and rolling around, I thought he was mucking around at first. Then this strange smell of sulfur started filling the room. It smells like rotten egg. I said to him, I said, did you fart? Sorry about the language. But he was, that's what it smells like. And he goes, no, it's coming out of my mouth. I'm like, jeez, what's going on there? It smelled like sulfur. Like hell was coming out of his mouth. I was a new Christian, I got no idea what was going on, so I just prayed in tongues, and, and that was my first um, experience as a Christian in seeing deliverance. We didn't go to a church that believed in demon. He was just repenting, and stuff came out. And so taking that lesson, like, you know, God's been speaking to me about pride and about humbling myself, and, you know, I saw scriptures everywhere, God gives grace to the humble, opposed the proud. Um, I didn't understand, I didn't know that word bit back then, but I wanted to be humble, and so one day I was driving to church and I said, God, I know I've been arrogant, but I can't stop it. So can you please just take this thing from me? And then at that moment, I felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders and I just started laughing. And I laughed for about 15 minutes all the way to church. And then when I got to church, I parked the car and I'm thinking, why did I laugh? And when I came out, 
I just had this knowing, I know that I know that I know that I've been delivered. But it wasn't a growling kind. It's because God had mercy on me. I was driving, so if I start growling, I probably would have crashed the car. So God just took it because I didn't want it anymore. I said, God took it from me, and then he took it. But this is what I found. It's still an ongoing journey from then till now in pursuing humility. Because God can take the spirit, but I still have to renew my mind. I still have to undo the thoughts that I put on to get there. And I discovered that if you keep thinking a certain way, you can actually catch that spirit, the spirit realm. The spirit realm is very, very interesting. Um, I don't fully know it. I know some people are like, oh, how can you say that? But it's, the, the depth of the spirit realm is um, it's amazing, you know. It's like as vast as heaven is compared to the earth. It's like we, we just don't know the depth of it. Um, I'm not fearful of the spirit realm, but at the same time, I am not cocky. You know, people fluctuate between one end to the other. People, some people say, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not scared of the spirit realm, and they start acting gung-ho. And then, um, you know, I've, I've heard this story when I first got saved of this uh, gentleman who's a preacher, and I don't know his name, but I, rem- I remembered his name back then, but this is growing back 15 years ago. But he, um, he had this tremendous authority to, to be able to cast out demons, especially arthritis. Um, but towards the end of his life, he became cocky and he became overly confident and he was boastful. And what I heard was that towards the end of his life, he was crippled up with arthritis because he got too cocky. Yeah. So on a side note, big hello to everyone watching online. Hello to my family. Hi, Isaac, if you're watching. Hi. Praise God. I'm going to read another scripture. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. What I found with pride is that it causes people to want to be the top. C.S. Lewis says this, he goes, most other sins, like if people are drunkards, people can get together and hang out with other drunkards because the sin unites them. But the sin of pride repels people because everyone's in competition with one another. Are you following me? And so if we are a church that's going to be pursuing revival, pursuing all the, that God has for us, um, I believe we need to be aware of the danger of pride, especially the sin of competition. Because there's nothing that stops a move of God faster than the, the people in it start bickering and fighting with one another. Can I get an Amen. So I'm going to read to you some, some backing scriptures. Proverbs 15, verse 25. This is just to motivate you. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Proverbs 16, verse 5. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. Hopefully that should give you an idea that God doesn't like pride, yeah? But here's the thing. I find that the reason people are prideful is actually rooted and anchored in brokenness. There's this thing called um, complex trauma. Um, did you know that a little child, right, they get their identity out of the face of their carers? A little child is like, you know, they're very, I call it basic. <laughs> you know, when they're born, they're, they're not complicated. All they can do is cry. They can't speak, they can't move. You put them down on your face, they just stay there. And so they don't have enough ability. Like if they are mistreated, they can't reason within themselves that you go, you know what? You know, my mom or my dad is a, is a deadbeat and they should be taking care of me better. They, they assume that the reason the people in their life that are supposed to take care of them are not taking care of them is because there's something wrong with them and they need to try harder. Yep. The way you get complex trauma is that you get trauma over time. Someone says this, is like it takes a minimum of 21 days to form a habit. So if you get this trauma and it doesn't lift off and you stay under it for, let's say, five years, 10, 15 years... What happens is your body and your mind and your everything just gets locked into accepting that as a norm. And one day, let's say you move out of home, you're not under that abuse, your body will actually still act as though it's still under that abuse. Are you following me? And it's called complex trauma. So we live in a fallen world, right? We live in a world that where even... Um, Despite our best effort, our parents are not perfect. You know, they give us our best, but even their best sometimes still leaves us damage. I'll tell you a little secret. Some of you know my thing with onions. Who knows my thing with onions? <laughs> Pastor Alex laughing. Well, when I was younger... I hate onion, by the way. The reason for that is when I was young, my mom was disciplining me. The Bible says, discipline your child with a rod. My mom didn't know God, so she tries to discipline me with onions. I know, this is funny, isn't it? Praise God. Yeah. I'm only traumatized, but yeah. Praise God. So... She used to rub onion like, see in Asia, the, I'm glad this amused you, the, 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 the standard of the schooling is pretty high and they, I used to not pay attention. And so I would come back and then when you score under five, like in a score one to ten, and if you score under five, the, the, score, the score will be in red. So every time a report card comes back with a red, my mom would punish me, either by smacking or by her favorite torture, onion. 
So she would rub onion in my face. And so now the side effect is I have to look at a, I'm better now. I'm, I'm pretty good. Like in, in the past, listen, I know some of you be like, <laughs> how can I get him? Um, it's all good. But in the past, like if I see a sliver of onion in a, in a dish, I wouldn't eat the whole dish. Like now I'll just pick at it. Like I thought I'm okay. So I, won't, I still don't like it, but I'm not as bad as I was in the past. And now I can eat garlic bread and garlic pizza. So, yeah. The point is this, my mom loves me so much that if I need a kidney, she'll give me hers. I know that. But despite her intention to love me as best she could, she still failed. Okay? So I had some trauma, it's between me and God. But the point is this, I know of people that I remember, I think I've told this story, I remember evangelizing and I started shouting this, this gentleman and he was telling me about how he loves Asian food and I said, he's an Australian guy, he was back in Geelong and I said, why do you love Asian food? And he goes, you know, when I was a young kid, about four or five, my mum and dad would take me to a, to a drug dealer and in Footscray and he was Asian and so they would feed me food, feed me Asian food. So his love for Asian food was because the drug dealers that his mum and dad goes to are kind to him and would feed him. And I just look at him and he's like, he's been in and out of jail, been in jail more times than he's out of jail. And I'm just looking at him and I'm like, bro, you've got no chance in life. Huh? Imagine you're a little toddler and your parents take you to the drug dealer's house to score. And when your parents are on drugs like that, they've got no time to care for you. You can also get damaged by neglect. And if your parents are addicted to drugs, how can they love you? When drugs just got this hole over their life. And I look at him, I'm like, wow, man, is Jesus put an end to this world? Because poor guy. I mean, a guy like that almost had no chance in life. He has no, the trajectory of his life is can't be anywhere other than jail. You're following me. When you're a young toddler, all you see is your mum and dad shooting up drugs, heroin, all these kind of drugs, you know, marijuana. It's it's like, oh. and so he's gonna be damaged. And he was a really sweet guy. I shouted him lunch buy McDonald's and then share the gospel and then, you know, we didn't have the ability to do anything else so it's just like I just commit him to the Lord and, um, you know, bid him farewell. But when we are not loved correctly, what it does, right, is that there's some deep-seated belief, for example, the belief, toxic belief such as there is something wrong with me. I am inferior when compared to others. So this is some of the belief that people could have. 
I need to perform well to be accepted by others. Why don't people love me? I'm not good enough. I hate myself. I'm not smart enough. Why is everyone better than me? What's wrong with me? And here's the thing. If you really believe those things inside your heart, right, you'll be prone to, to be easily offended. Because inside your heart you go, you know, you're a scumbag, you're worthless. And so the minute someone doesn't greet you the right way, you get offended. The minute someone criticizes you, you get offended. Because their words automatically confirm this thing that is in your heart. Are you with me? But if you believe that you are loved, so this is really important in the first 10, 12 plus years. So if you are loved sufficiently, what it does is that it builds um, self-worth. And if you are, if you got good self-worth, a thousand insults won't get in. But if you don't have self-worth, a thousand praises won't get in. Are you with me? But guess what? God has a cure. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get an amen from the psychologist, Steve? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, there is this concept in the Bible called, have you heard of it? Baptism. And uh, I mentioned this in the, in the Jesus Journey book, um, the concept of baptizo. Um, that we found, like in a few hundred years ago, uh, of this recipe book. And it's, and it's, called, it's, it's by this guy by the name of Nikander, Nikander of Greece. And he was making a recipe. He, he left a recipe about making pickles. And so in this recipe, he says, you know, grab some cucumber, bapto it in hot water. Bapto is a dip. And then after that, after you wash the cucumber, you baptizo it in the vinegar solution. Baptizo is pickling. It's you dip and you leave the cucumber in there. And what happens when you pickle something is that the the very substance, the very fabric of the cucumber changes and it becomes a pickle. Are you following me? Be a pickle, that's right. Get pickled. This concept is how complex trauma is formed or PTSD. Trauma is, sometimes it just comes on. Normal trauma, it just comes on and it lifts off. Complex trauma is when the, the trauma comes upon you and then it stays there over time. And so, again, it takes at least 21 days to form a habit. And so if that trauma stays more than 21 days, your body has this fight, flight, or freeze instinct. And if it's longer than 21 days, let's say 10, 20 years, even when the, when the trauma lifts, your body doesn't know how to relax. Are you following me? So you just got pickled into trauma. So trauma is a pickling process. It's a baptizo process. Just like the trauma is a pickling process, God wants, you, wants to pickle you 
in his love. That's good. You got the scripture. Joshua 1 8. Right. We've got scriptures. Joshua 1 8. God says to Joshua, This book of the Torah, the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. Say, meditate. meditate. In a day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For, when, for then you will make your way prosperous then you will have good success. The word meditate is the word haggah. It, it means to murmur, to imagine, to meditate, to mourn, to mutter, to speak, to study, to talk, to utter. Did you know that your brain, right, can't tell the difference between present experience or a memory? Close your eyes, and you can try this. You can start like remembering something pleasant, a pleasant experience, and you can start feeling good. Or you can start thinking about uh, an event that makes you upset, and your body can start getting upset. Are you with me? I learned this um, the hard way because when I first became a pastor, I got offended really, really badly. And my response to it was even worse. Some bad things happened, but then I started meditating upon the bad thing. For nine months, I would meditate like eight hours a day, just constantly, just, just chewing on it. I was imagining it. And then the, at the end of the nine months, I was going to drive around someone's house with a cricket bat and I was going to break his legs. But thank God for his grace, right? That was a joke, guys. <laughs> no one's like, oh, that was funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's all right. Pastor Alex will um, pray for you for all the traumas that develop over this sermon. <laughs> I, I had an experience. I got offended, and then I started meditating upon the experience, and I started imagining how I should have responded. And so over time, my response became more and more violent, until after the nine months, I actually felt scared because there were moments where I felt like I was about to lose control, and I had to ask for prayer, because it's like... This desire to go to that guy's house and do something was almost overwhelming and it scares me. I believe like I was about to tap into spirit realm. If I acted on it, I probably got demonized. But luckily, um, you know, I went and sought help. But the point was, I imagine I meditated upon the offense hours a day, days a week, weeks a month. And then for nine months, I, I probably did it every day. And until it nearly took over my life. And I asked God, one day I asked God, I remember dealing with it, and I said, God, this guy did this to me. And then God says, he didn't do this to you. He says, this was always in you. Because before I became a Christian, some of you don't know, um, you know, I was taking drugs, selling drugs. Um, I've been picked on 
I, I was the first Asian in, in the town called Melton um, back in 1989. And so if you can imagine it, uh, it was pretty horrific. It was like, you know, you walk down the street, it was like you know, all sorts of name on the sign, ching chong, and then um, after a couple of years of that, I finally snapped and then uh, I punched my bully. And then he went quiet and then I started just punching everyone. And I found out that punching people in the mouth works. Fast forward, and then I joined gang, went to the army, and then became a drug dealer, went to jail. And so can you imagine me? It's like punching people does work. <laughs> when people like pick on you, you punch them in the mouth, and then you have a fight. And I found that bullies look for weakness, look for weak people. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. If you fight for yourself, like, like if you stand up for yourself really like sort of, I don't know, aggressively, they, they would look at you and they go, you know what, this guy's not worth it. I would rather pick on someone else who's weaker and quieter. And so they move on. And so that's what I learned. So I, I discovered that if people pick on me, you just, you fight, your, you, you fight your way out of it. So I was stuck in this fight mode. Are you following me? But as a Christian, I'm not supposed to. Praise God. Anyway. I got a, Pastor Alex was doing this um, um, survey of the characteristics. I think I got a score of what, nine or something out of, what was it? Out of 30? Out of 30. Out of 30. It's not too bad, actually. Nine out of 30. I reckon I'm up about 10 now. I've been working on myself. I feel a lot nicer. <laughs> Praise God. But the point is, is this. If you have those believe, you need to address it. Like, for example, the, the toxic belief of there is something wrong with me. This is an example of a cure. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Can you put that up, please? Whoa. Thank you. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, so, so you've got this core belief, it's like there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. So instead of allowing that to just bounce around your mind and then cause depression, by the way, psychologists uh, have found that depression, they've found a link between depression and your thoughts. And they find that if you change your thoughts, you can change your emotion. So there's an actual technique called CBT, which is, which is psychologists challenging, finding out what the toxic beliefs are, and then they start challenging those lies and start shifting it bit by bit. For $200 per hour, is it? It's true. That's, that's what they charge. And, and you know what? Some people... Um, I find that really good because some people have no respect for people's time. Like it's, I say this, some, some people who are unemployed, they have all the time in the world and they think that everyone should have the amount of time that they have. And so you can spend two, three, four hours a week with them and then two weeks later they're back to the same, same spot. 
and by the way, um, that's actually what, I, what I've learned back in Geelong. I used to have about two or three of these people, and they would come in, they would ring me up and go, oh, God hates me. And so we would, I would share scriptures with them, and it felt like a wrestling match. For about two or three hours, we would wrestle, and after two or three hours, it seems like they're they gone quiet, they agree, they let me pray for them. And then I thought, oh, yeah, praise God, you know that, you know, I did the Lord's work. And then three weeks later, two weeks later, they would ring me back again, same spot, and we would just do this. And all you need is two or three of them, and you feel like death. It's just so heavy. And so now, if you want to do that to me, I'll recommend a counsellor for you. So if you want to do it with a licensed psychologist for 200 bucks an hour, knock yourself out. Because some people don't respect people's time. Okay? Okay, there you go. See, that's why my mercy score is about nine. Praise the Lord. Okay, the, the toxic belief of I am worthless. Can you put up Mark 10? This is an example. I am worthless. Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know what ransom means? Ransom is the purchase price to free someone from a captivity. Are you following me? So Jesus is the ransom price for you. We were, we were slaves to sin, sickness, and death. We're under bondage, just like the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. So God came down and bought us back. You know what he used to buy us back? His son. Jesus is not just a human. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He, God created all things through Him. In the very beginning, there's always been a Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the Prince of Heaven. And God uses the Prince of Heaven to buy you back. He is your purchase price. You know what that means? You are worth the Prince of Heaven. Irenaeus of Lyon says this, The Son of God became a Son of Man so that sons of man could become sons of God. I think that's a good saying. Son of God became Son of Man so that the sons and daughters of mankind could become the sons and daughters of God. All right, five of you, yeah? Are you guys all right? Yeah. Like, to me, that's, that's exciting. Not too late. We are literally to die for. You are to die for. Nobody loves me. God says you are to die for. That's actually theologically sound. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, oh, you are to die for. He died for you. He actually did it. He died to pay us. And in Romans 5, he says, like, you know, the reason we are sinners is because Adam ate from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and all of mankind became sinners. 
Are you following me? Because Paul was addressing this issue. It's like, how can one man redeem everyone? And Paul says, well, the reason all of us are sinners is actually because, not because you sinned, you became a sinner. It's because Adam ate something and you became a sinner. So through one man came sin. It's in Romans 5. So if one man could cause all mankind to be sinners and go, well, I disagree with you. Just look at the news. Like the world is getting stupid. Like it's accelerating in the last 10 years like you would not believe. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to go on, but you know what I mean? Like, I'll say this. You can come in and be whatever you want to be, but what's that got to do with my children? You know what I mean? Like if you want to cut yourself and mutilate yourself, all right, that's your choice. But don't indoctrinate my child. Are you following me? Right? You don't want us to interfere with your life, but you want to interfere with my life. I'm not against, again, I'm, if you, Dave Hogan, I think I thought this, I think, I don't know if you heard this, Pastor Alex, he was telling us that, you know, in, in Mexico, he's ha, he has a whole church full of LGBT and trans people. Like, they just started getting saved, and then, like, you know, the one person went back to their community, led two people to the Lord, and then went back to the community, and now there's, like, a few hundreds of them, like, all saved, and some of them have, like, perform surgeries. So God loves you. And, and like, it's not them that we were against. We, you know, we went to uh, South Yarra, uh, shared the gospel. We met a few, a number of, um, yeah, full-on trans people. And the, I find them to be quite pleasant to speak to. Like when we love on them, they're just like this dry sponge that just longing to be loved and longing to be encouraged. And there was no combat in them. And so they're not the enemy, but, I, but we are warring against a spirit out there who wars against God, who hates God, who, you know, who celebrates femininity in men and masculinity in females. You know? Are you following me? <laughs> Just trying to get your attention. You know what we need these days? It's men to be men. And women to be women. It's not a contest to see if women can do what men can. You can do what we can't. And we can do what you can't. It's not about trying to be like someone else. It's about you being you. And when you are you, everyone gets along. I'm actually not trying to be Pastor Alex although we are mistaken for a twin. <laughs> I'm not. Like he, one of the, the, the blessed things is I've actually been a pastor 13 years, and so I've discovered what I can do, and I've discovered what I can't do. And so I'm not trying to be anyone else. I'm just running my, my lane. I find that Christianity is a bit like golf. You're not playing against an opponent. You're playing against the course. You're playing against the call of God on your life. So it doesn't matter if, you know, if your opponent gets nine over, if you scored 42 over pi, like doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like you can't play golf. 
It doesn't matter what your opponent does. Like if you can't hit the ball straight, you can't hit the ball straight. Who plays golf? Anyway, the people are like, what? Anyway, never mind. Summary. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. It is a dangerous thing to be prideful. Pride causes envy, jealousy. Pride causes competition. Pride causes division. So it's good to be humble because God gives grace to the humble. God gives promotion to the humble. So we all want to be elevated. We want more grace. We want to be promoted. We want to be blessed by God. But it's hard to humble yourself if you got pain. It's hard to lower yourself because lowering, like humbling yourself is to go where your pain is. Your pain, like if you got complex trauma, you, you already think that you are worthless. But you actually need to face your fears and face your pain. Because if you don't face your pain, you get into this double whammy where life has already mistreated you. But I believe, right, that this scripture, God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud, it's a bit like gravity. Like it doesn't matter what your reason is for stepping off a 10th story building. It doesn't matter what the reason is. If you step off, you're going to fall down. And I believe this is the case with, with pride and humility. This universe is built in so that if you are prideful, there's something about it that just wants to slam you down. Do you notice that? Like if a person is arrogant, it's just there's something in you that sort of like you wish for them to just fall and lose. Like, you know, we see this in, um, in like sporting arena. You know, uh, the last one was this guy called Conor McGregor. He's, I don't know, people, people follow him. But he, he talks a lot. And after a while, but he does it on purpose to sell tickets. And now he's a millionaire and doesn't really care what we think. But he makes himself a, a personality where he becomes really arrogant. And some people do pay to see him get beaten. But, but that's, that's the way it is. And you know, the one before that was... It's this guy, Anthony Mundine. Remember him? You know, I couldn't wait for him to lose. Because he was just the way he was speaking, it was just really arrogant, it was just obnoxious. But, you know, some people do that to, to sell tickets. But it's in the world. It's, 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 in, it's in the universe. It's like sowing and reaping. If you sow, you reap. The Buddhists, like the Hindus call it karma. They didn't invent it. They just observed something in nature. Are you following me? And so I believe that humility gets promoted and pride will fall, it's built into the universe. So you've already been mistreated by life because your parents didn't love you enough, so you got complex trauma. So you try to deal with this complex trauma by elevating yourself, by, by lifting yourself up, by promoting yourself. But when you do that, you're actually relying on the strength of the flesh. And when you do that, God arrays himself in battle formation against you. So you're already hurt by trauma, and then now you're trying to lift yourself up and you're going to get slammed by the, by the world. But God is giving you a way out. Pursue his love. Baptize yourself in love and then you can go low. Because you're not attaching your identity and your worth in what people say, in your achievement, in your status, in your money, in your title, in your position... And instead, you, you get your worth out of the love of God. Are you following me? So now, 
um, I'm going to give a, a time for people to accept the love of God. If I can get every head bowed, just can I get a Aaron and a, on the keyboard, please? The Bible says that God, that Jesus became our ransom. He is our purchase price. You know, if I sell you, I got this tablet here. It's almost nine years old. If I say to you, hey, would you like to buy it for $700? Would you buy it? It's almost obsolete, you know? Praise God. But God has decided that our purchase price is Himself. Our value is the Son of God coming to this earth to die for us and as us. And He purchased us and that became our value. All of us, if we accept this sacrifice, this free gift of Jesus, become sons and daughters of God. You get adopted. You're no longer a sinner. You become sons and daughters. You're no longer a slave because a slave has to earn everything. But sons and daughters get things for free, get loved on for free. And not only that, He ransoms your life. He purchased you. He frees you from sin from sickness and from death. It's not that you, you can't sin, it's now you don't, have to be, you don't have to sin. God has set you free and freed you and He takes you back and He makes you a brand new creation. In 2 Corinthians it says, Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And God has made Him who knew no sin to be sin so that us who knew no righteousness could become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. So is there anyone in here who have not given their life to Jesus? I want to give you a chance right now. Can you lift up your hand and say, you know what? I want to begin this journey of accepting Christ. I see. You're never too young to accept Christ. It's all good. Anyone would like to accept Christ? You all believe in Jesus? Maybe you've been away from the Lord. You know, you know in your heart you're not really walking with Him. You're not right. So if that's you, I'm going to give you a chance. Would you like to come home to your loving Father and just say, you know what, today I've been stuffing it up, God. I want to start again. Today is a new day. I want to begin, re-begin my walk with you once again. If that's you, lift up your hand. Yep, we're good. Oh, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for giving us Your Son to die on that cross to purchase me back. Now I am worth the Prince of Heaven. Thank You, God, for loving me and making me Your son and Your daughter. If you I accept your sacrifice. Please come into my heart. Wash away all condemnation. 
old guilt and let me be a brand new creation. Let me be a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So if you pray that prayer for the very first time, there's a, there's a QR code there that you, can, um, that you can scan or you can come and see us for prayer afterwards. And I'm going to open up the altar right now for, like recently, I don't know, us Alex have known this, there's a, there's a young man that I think I've attended our church a number of times. He, he just committed suicide. But suicide is really the, it's this low self-worth, this hatred of ourselves, this self-condemnation. And we already believe that so that when the devil comes along and, and just whispers to us, you know what, you're useless, you're good for nothing. Why don't you end your life? It's like you, you've got this voice in here saying, yeah, yeah, you're worthless. And now you've got the voice outside going, yeah, you're worthless. Can you, are you following me? And some and that, that feeling of worthlessness causes pain. And some people just thought, you know what, I'm sick of this pain. I might, I might try to escape it. But the bad news is you don't actually escape it. It, it gets worse. But God loves you so much, He became your ransom. He has set you free from that prison. So right now, I'm going to give two altar calls. So if you, if you have fear, anxiety, panic attacks, or have entertained thoughts of suicide recently, please come forward. Don't, don't be shy. Come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Are you following me? If you've got condemnation, fear, anxiety, panic attack, entertain thoughts of suicide, come forward and we'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Alex, I think, can I get your help, please? Yeah, the, if you need prayer, come forward. Um, if not, God bless you. And, and meditate upon the promises of God. Meditate upon these loving scriptures, amen? Pickle yourself. Baptize yourself in the love of God and address this. Because without this, you, you, it's hard to believe God for things and, and with it, you'll be, you know, you're going you're gonna to walk on water. Amen? Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about Fire Church, head to our website, firechurch.com.au. And don't forget to connect with us on social media, on Instagram, fire.church, Facebook, Fire Church, and YouTube, Fire Church TV. Have a blessed week.